0: this is exciting. Ah, I've not done this for a a little while, and it always feels like a real privilege (laughs) to ever get handed a microphone, (laughs) because it's just like, then I can just talk for uh, hours, potentially, at your hours and hours. No, I'm not going to do that. Don't worry. Although I could. Joe knows, my husband. I could (laughs) could talk for a while. Um, (laughs) But anyway, what we're going to talk, what I'm going to be talking about today is this idea of, Family. So, um, as a church family, we've been going through kind of a series from a good few months, hasn't it, of our kind of core values, and family is one of them. And I kind of got the honor of being asked to talk about family and then spent a couple of weeks going, huh? Uh, Okay, family, right. Well, I'm in a family. I'm about to like make a family. It took me a while to get my head around it, but then. I start to, as I start to think about it, I really feel like God wants to do some exciting things today, actually. And I've had, <laughs> I've had weird dreams all week, and it was literally only this morning that I cottoned on to actually this was God speaking to me. You know when you just get, like, dreams over and over again? I don't know, those of you that, as in dreams in the night, nighttime dreams. And I've been getting loads of super weird dreams that aren't very normal. I get weird dreams, but, like, these are different to my normal weird dreams. And uh, it was only this morning that God was like, "Hello, Kezia. it's because I'm trying to speak to you about what you're going what I'm going to be doing this morning." So I really feel like as I speak, I just I have real faith that God's going to really shift some things here and bring just a real lightness and a real joy and really restore really restore elements of this idea of family to us and for some of us, I think that's going to be around like church's family and this kind of Organization slash bride of Christ slash place where we go on a Sunday. Um, He's going to restore some things there. And then for others of us, it's going to be around our actual, like, family, you know, biological family, which is what I'll probably refer to as the distinction between the two of them. Although, when I'm talking about church family and family family, it gets, they're all kind of similar and get mushed up in, in the way that I think about them. So, um, what I'm going to look at really is what does God's family, first of all what is family, why it's important and then I'm going to look at what, is, what are some of the qualities of a healthy family and what are some of the qualities of a not so healthy family. It's by no means going to be an extensive list, but these, <laughs> these are just going to be things that I've sort of gleaned and I felt like God's spoken to me about. So, and for this preach, it's really worth pointing out that, you know, we all have really different experiences of family, be it church family, be it um, kind of biological, parental, sibling, cousins, whatever, family. And so I re- what I've done for this preach is really referred to what... The only kind of perfect families that I know of, and that would be looking at the Trinity and that kind of union and connection there, which isn't maybe what we automatically think of when we think of family, but I think that was really the first place of oneness, which is really what kind of family is. And also Adam and Eve before the fall in the garden. We don't get loads of information about them before the fall and before sin, but we do get some, and that also is a picture of like the earth's first family. Um, so those are kind of my reference point of it. And um, and when it comes to church and to family, in my head, we've been hearing for the last three weeks, I think, if you've been here. Um, my dad's been, he's also called Andy, but he's my dad. So it's weird if I say Andy in a And Anyway, um, so he's been talking about the church and doing a big like kind of getting super passionate in the the way that only really he does of talking about the like the glorious church, this beautiful church, this kind of um, as, um, as a resource and as a family and as an organization that it should be big and beautiful and it's the hope of the world and it's here to save um, nations and a place of love and will change and all of that sort of stuff. So if you've been here the last couple of weeks, you'll have known that. If you haven't, then it's worth checking in on and just listening to some of those. But I'm kind of here. I feel like I'm here to fill in the other, the other bit of that painting, if that makes sense. Of actually, church is also really family, and it's a really, really important part that we we don't either swing in either camps, if that makes sense. Like church is this big, powerful organization that's here to change the world, but we don't have the family aspect, and also that we don't just be like, well, church is family, so why should we do any of these? Other structural, organizational things. Because I can sometimes see that sort of people are either in either camp, if that makes sense, and I kind of think it's actually all one. Um, so I'm going to be talking a little bit about that. And really, family is God's main plan and idea. Some of us have been reading through the Bible. <laughs> This year, and I've not done a very good job of it, but I have managed to read through some of it. And as you read through, especially the Old Testament, the more you realize a lot of what has gone before us is just God, it's just lots of family, lots of messed up family, but lots of just God trying to reconnect with his kids, actually. And I think that the whole earth is actually a place filled with God's sons and daughters. And really, what we're talking about when we talk about, ever, when we ever talk about church or um, even our core values as a church, a real fundamental kind of grounding and weight to that is this idea of um, family. And I believe that we can get um, a glimmer of God's family and through through our own experience. And for each of us, that's going to, some of us will maybe get a big, good dose of what God's family's like through our own experience because it's mainly been really positive and blessed and it's been a real privilege. I know that's been more my experience, but I also know lots of people where that's, not been the case. And so actually what we all need to do, because none of us have grown up in a perfect family, is we kind of all need to get sort of recalibrated to God's perspective of family. So we all bring our own experiences. Some of them are brilliant and blessed, and it feels like a real privilege, and some of us it's a real area of pain and difficulty. Whatever camp, whatever part of that spectrum you're on, then, then we all kind of need to hit a bit of a reset button and hear about sort of God's perspective otherwise I think it's really easy if we don't get God's perspective on family we solely base this idea of family and this idea of church on on our own experience and that is dependent and that's really variable and then that often means we come to church family with lots of shoulds if that makes sense like it should be more diverse, it should be bigger, it should be louder, it should be quieter, it should be happier, it should be more serious, it should be have better coffee, it should have better, you know, whatever it is. Like we just end up coming to it with our shoulds. And it's really important, it's really important whenever we think about church and we think of the word should, actually should is often a judgment and you judge things that you're not a part of intimately often, if that makes sense. Like, there's a sense of when you are judging something, it's because you're on the outside looking in and t- saying something about how it should be. Whereas actually if we're family, we're not actually on the outside, we're all in this together. Does that make sense? So let's talk about, first of all, what is family? Um, I, it has this different descriptions, but the good old dictionaries slash Google say that it is Um, all descendants of a common ancestor, it's a group of people related by blood, it's a group of people under one head or under one kind of household, Um, and it's a group of people united with conviction or with common interest. And that we can see, so that makes a lot of sense in terms of just our understanding of what family is. When it comes to the Bible as well, there's a real thread of this idea of family and community, so Galatians six ten says, therefore we have as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers and that phrase family of believers all kind of means household of faith um, in hebrews two eleven it says both the one who makes people holy and the one and and those who are made holy are the same family and that idea the word family there is actually the word one father so it 's this idea of everyone being part of one father. 1 Peter 2 says, um, no, 1 Peter two seventeen says, show proper respect to everyone, love the family of believers, fear God and honor the emperor. And the family of believers there means brotherhood. So when I was looking into this, I was just kind of looking at all these different kind of words that mean family, because family can just become a bit generic and we kind of get a bit numb to it but it's this idea of oneness of unity being under kind of one father of brotherhood kind of being in a household and in community and as you look through the bible as well you see that it's not just we don't there's not just talk about community or household or brotherhood there's also a lot of talk about sons and daughters so we're often referred to um, in the context of sonship of adoption as sons as daughters so Romans eight fifteen says The spirit you've received does not make you slaves does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again, rather the spirit you've received through your adoption to sonship by which we cry, Abba, Father. Or in um, Galatians 4, from verse 4, it says, "But but when the set time has fully come, God sent his son, born of woman, born under the law to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption as sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent his spirit of his Son into our hearts, the Spirit who also cries out, Abba Father. And I mean, I could go on for ages with verses of verses that talk about us being sons, as being daughters, about adoption, about sonship. So the Bible is just filled with this language of family. It's kind of a backbone of our faith. And then another metaphor that it uses, which I also love, is this idea of the body as well. So he talks about. Um, in Colossians, he is also the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. Blah, blah, blah. Great verse, carries on. And, and then in 1 Corinthians and 12, it says, now you are the body of Christ. So we not only have this like, picture of family, of sons and daughters, mums and dads, aunties, uncles, cousins. I mean, cousins and aunties don't get as much chat in the Bible, but you know, it's implied. Um, there's also this idea of, this, of the body and actually the whole kind of church of church is this body all connected and there's a oneness and a union in that so when we're talking about the family that's really what it is and family really matters I think when you I just think it's God's primary plan actually like he really cares about this unity and this oneness and he's, it's really on his heart, and he, when he looks at the earth, and when he looks at church, and when he looks at us, like, and when he looks at church locally, like this church, and then globally across the world, he really is seeing his sons and daughters, and it's really all about his family, and it being, there being a connection, and there being a unity, and there being a strength, and there being a oneness, and a joy, and all of these different things, um, and I really think that's, we sometimes well I know I forget that often because you can get really like wrapped up in like the stuff or like I don't know Sunday mornings or churchy things or like different churches or different things going on or just the busyness of life when actually I really think it boils down to just God's heart for his kids as actually a real foundation and yes all the stuff that dad's been talking about about kind of the glory and the beauty and the mission and this big kind of picture vision stuff of of what church is, is isn't is at odds with this idea of family. They're actually completely embedded in each other. And I, and I think sometimes we, we feel like there's a tension between the two, whereas actually there's a flow between the two of them, if that makes sense. There's an intertwining of them. So, why does this matter? I have, a, I have a, a brilliant and sometimes annoying tendency in my life to constantly ask why. I'm sure I was a great little girl to raise. Why? 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 Why am I talking about this? Why does it matter? So, I was just chatting to Holy Spirit about this. And so, one of the, I think there's lots of reasons why this matters, but one of the ones I want to talk about was, I think... That it needs to get talked this idea of family needs to become fully embedded in our spirits and in our kind of conscious thinking, is because I think it really helps us to avoid disappointment and bitterness, um, which I'll explain a little bit. Um, so we need to allow our views of family and, and what it is and what it isn't to be shaped by God's perspective. And we need this perspective um, if we want to be connected to this thing called church or God's family for the long haul. Because to me, if I'm honest, I can find like the structure of church hard at times. I've grown up in church just my my whole life, often church being actually at my house (laughs) or like dad waking me up with like men's prayer meetings at 6 a.m. with like 20 men all singing in tongues in the front room and you're like oh I just want to go to school and be in bed and in various different forms and I remember from a really young age of getting this revelation of what church really is about it not being like a Sunday morning thing that I have to do And um, at age 14, me and my family moved to Glasgow to church plant. And I remember God really speaking to me about that and feeling really excited. Like I knew that it was something God had spoken to my parents about, but I saw this vision of like this vehicle of world change that is church, if that makes sense. And I had this revelation from probably from a really young age. Um, And I know... And I've worked in different places. I've worked for church in different ways and gone and done different kind of um, starting up of different churches. And I really see that, that this family that is church has such power and potential. And actually, it really is God's kind of plan A or plan one. And there's, there's not like a backup plan to it. But I've also experienced that this beautiful thing called church can be a bit weird and a bit weird and wonderful, and sometimes a difficult place to be, and that could just be me, but I'm sure it's probably not, um, because it's all these different people coming together, and you're trying to figure out everyone's different values, and different roles, and different interpretations of things, and and then it's it's just can feel a little bit clunky, and then you can get hurt, and people can get hurt, and then, oh, it just, it just can feel a bit funny sometimes, and so, and I've yet, in my, I'm only 30, but I've yet to be in a perfect church, I don't know if anyone here has ever been in a perfect church, if you have, let me know, because I'll come visit, but I've been in amazing churches, and and, learned, and lots of different ones, but I've never been in a quote-unquote perfect where everything was just like, yes, this is, this is, I mean, how they welcome people is perfect. Their coffee is perfect. Their preach length is perfect. Worship is perfect. The leadership team is just perfect. Everything's just perfect. I've never, I've never experienced that. Don't know if you have. I I haven't. And the reason that I'm sharing this is not, is, it's, it's because I've often I think the, when I was thinking about it, the only reason to date that I've not just like gone off on my lonely own sum, if that makes sense, just like me and God in this kind of nice, isolated, cozy bubble of like me, God, not really accountable to anyone, not really part of family or a community or having any commitments. The only reason I think probably that's happened is because, um, or, and I've not kind of given up on church in a way and gotten so disappointed or so discouraged is that because I realize it's family. And so actually, when you realize something is family, you kind of already, you belong and you invested in it. It's that idea, you're not, you're not kind of on the outside, deciding, oh, am I in or out of this? Like, I don't decide if I'm in and out of my biological family. Like, I could say to my sister and brother, like, Luke and Jess, I'm not in the family anymore. And, like, my sister would probably just be like, uh, shut up. And then Luke would probably just ignore what I said and carry on treating me in exactly the same way and just be like weird Kezi is just on one of her whatever <laughs> things and would just carry on regardless same with my mum it's like you <laughs> know my mum growing up she would always she would always be like oh do you want more dinner like say we're having lasagna you'd be like no I'm quite full and then she'd just give you more anyway you <laughs> just like, she'd just carry on, or she really sweetly would make me cups of tea in the morning, and then, uh, and then for years before school, and I was like, oh, mum, I, d- I don't actually drink tea with milk first thing in the morning, So, <laughs> but she would just carry on, because that's what she does, because she's my mum. Or, or before leaving the house, she'd have this thing where she'd always be like, I love you loads and loads and tons and tons and masses and masses and heaps and heaps and oceans and oceans and universes and universes and skies and skies and oceans and seas and seas. She would just literally go on like this for ages and you're trying to like leave for school like, okay, okay, mom, okay, 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 mom," which is funny. She's great. If you don't know my mom, you should chat to her. She's hilarious. And I inevitably will now do that and probably embarrass my son. When he's going to school at the school gates, I'll be like, I love you heaps and heaps, masses and masses. He'll be like, oh, no, no, no. It's <laughs> like, gosh, mommy, it's so embarrassing. <laughs> I'll just pass it on. But I think knowing, I think when you really um, realize that this isn't, that church is really family if you allow it to be, then it's one of our best kind of buffers at just getting really disappointed and really discouraged. I and mean, I know that, I, re- I had that revelation this week, and I'm still, to be fair, getting my head around it, um, but I think it's actually really, really important because it's really easy to just approach church from quite a standoffish point of view or from quite a guarded perspective. And actually, when we realize, oh, I can, I'm, I, I can be fully in this, then actually there's so much space for us to experience what we experience, to feel what we feel. And and it just prevents us. Cause I think things like disappointment are really rampant in church life and can are like little weeds that can grow up really, really quickly, and then they fester and then they become these huge trees, and then we don't all of a sudden realize why we're all like gnarly inside, or every time someone mentions that person's name, we're all like, ugh like, oh, that person, I just want to, like, I don't know why, they make me feel funny. And that's often because of undealt with disappointment, whereas in healthy families, you are going to feel those things, like family will annoy you. Like, (laughs) I remember (laughs) me and my, so I'm the youngest of four, and so me and my eldest brother um, used to have a tendency to wind up Jess and Luke, which are the middle ones. So, my last family memory of playing Monopoly is I think it was me, Dan, the eldest, and Luke playing Monopoly. And the game finished with someone throwing the Monopoly board at me, probably, just because I was just deliberately winding them up. I was <laughs> just like, you know, just being deliberately annoying. Because family can do that. Like, you know, it's just the nature of it. But because we're family, it's not that I will, all of a sudden after that, it caused this big disruptive thing. We kind of just got over it. And then to be fair, the Merrick family doesn't play Monopoly. <laughs> we don't. And then I married the Halls and Monopoly in the Hall family is like this revolutionary, totally different experience. Like no one ever lost Monopoly. No one loses Monopoly when you play in the Hall household because Joe's dad is always the banker and he always has like a charity fund. And and so if if you're starting to lose money, then you get a donation from the charity fund. And instead of getting money, you um, tithe. Everyone has to tithe to, I think it was a a charity in Uganda because you're connected to this family in Uganda. So I remember my first, like, let's play a game at your new, like, you know, poten- probably potential in-laws, About that, that wasn't even, weren't even married. And I was like, what in is this family? And I was like, you what? No, so no one wins, no one loses, no one shouts, no one throws houses at each other, no one cries, no one, I was just like, whoa. So I, I, so I play Monopoly in the whole house. Um, if I can, if I can last that long in the game, I'm not known for my attention span um, anymore. So it's really, really important. That's one of the main reasons. There's lots of other reasons of why it matters, but it, that is one of them. So I want to spend a bit of time um, is looking at what does he- healthy family look like, and these are just little snippets that I've gleaned from. Um, Looking at the Bible from my relationship with God, my, my own family, I feel very, um, I'm more on the spectrum of feeling really, really blessed by my family upbringing in terms of how I feel that set me up in life. Um, and I know we're all on different spectrums of that, but, and also a lot of what the Bible says. So I'm going to go through these quickly because I actually want to spend a little bit of time looking at... Um, what some unhealthy things in family can be um, from what I've noticed. So what does healthy family look like? Um, I think number one, it looks like there is the presence of honor. So one of the commandments is, you know, honor thy father and mother. And that is something that's been spoken about, I think, in, I can't remember which preach it was, but I'm not going to talk loads about that because you can go back and listen. I would recommend you go back and get your little podcast app on your phone if you have one or on the website and go and listen more in depth to what honor is because honor can be a real like buzzword can't it? of like honor and it doesn't really mean anything and so it's worth actually really looking at that that meaning but I think honoring um, their father and mother and not just mother and father but your brothers and sisters and your aunties and uncles is a really important part of healthy family and I think a great way a great like litmus test of how much honor there is in your heart towards people is about how you speak about them or how you think about them. I think that's a really great, you know, if you're like leaving church or um, even with your own like biological family and the words that you speak are a bit like, you know, just filled with frustration, annoyance, disrespect. Um, I think think that's a really good check-in of... How do you talk about your leaders at church or at small group or at whatever, whatever? And how do you talk about your actual parents as well? Even if your parents, were, you kind of felt like dealt you a really rubbish card, hand of cards, whatever the phrase is, of life, um, actually the, how we speak about them and how the honor we have is still really, really important. So I think that's a really good way of checking in is how how do you talk about... Meetings, structures, people, what are the words that you use or even the thoughts that you think, because it's so easy. Because um, for me, it's so easy. For those of you that know my dad, you'll know he's, he is wise and passionate and a great dad to not just me, but to so many people. But he also has a, a tendency to say things rather flippantly and just bluntly put things out there without thinking about them. Th- all the way through. I don't know if you've noticed this. Um, I have, as is, super sensitive, highly empathetic uh, empathetic daughter. And and it would be so easy for me, for dad, you know, on numerous occasions. I could give you many stories where dad's just like done like a throwaway comment and I'm like, ow, um, that, that didn't feel very nice. And I have two choices then. I can go away and be like, Oh, it's just another father wound of like, you know, I'll go and get in a healing and, prayer. and there's nothing wrong with in a healing and in a prayer and all of that stuff dealing with you and your daddy issues. I'm all, all for that. But I could go off and like go down that track and just be like, God, oh, that, just, that just confirms that he rejects me and whatever, whatever, whatever. Or I could just be like, I think my dad really loves me, so maybe I should just say to him and actually honor him with the assumption that he didn't, that that was just a slip of his tongue, if that makes sense. That was him just not thinking, because he does that on relatively frequent occasions. Um, And I can, my first choice can be to honor him, or my first choice can be to, to be offended. By him, if that makes sense, and so what I can, my other choice is I can be like, oh, Dad said that thing that made me feel a bit, mm," and even a few days later, it still makes me feel a bit like, oh, I want to cry or I feel a little bit hurt. Okay, what's what can I do to honor him? Actually, let's just go and check in with him. And so I'll often do that and be like, Dad, you said this, and it made me feel like this, or made me think that you think this about me, and then he often just looks at me like. Oh, no, that's not what I meant at all. Oh, no, can't believe I made you think that. Oh, no, I'm so sorry, blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden, it's kind of, like, wrapped up. You know, done. It's not, I'm not, like, having to process things for days and days or go and sort out huge issues. Not that that's a bad thing to do, but... I think honor, it looks like something, it looks like communication, it looks like being brave, it looks like um, choosing to, making an assumption that someone didn't mean to annoy you, frustrate you, hurt you, and actually giving them the benefit of the doubt to explain themselves, if that makes sense. So um, another thing of what a healthy family looks like is difference, and that um, being different um, is to be celebrated, I think, in healthy families, and that there's a freedom to be yourself. And we see that in the Trinity. Whenever I um, spend time with God in recent years, I've, as weird as this sounds, tend to spend time with all three parts of the Trinity – I'm not going to explain that, but just go with me. Um, and actually, they're all really different in how I interact with them. Yet they're all completely one, you know. And they all have very different roles and almost like different characters. Yet a completely there's a complete ease with them all being completely themselves. And I think it's really really important that we don't all. Give ourselves permission to not look the same, be the same, and have the same ambitions, the same dreams, the same everything. Everything, I which I could say more about that, but I won't. Uh, another thing in a healthy family is belonging, and so this sense of belonging. There's such a security when you know you belong to a family. So I find imme- immense security in knowing I belong to my like immediate biological family because I know if literally. I don't know, everything in my life just went all, just went a disaster or I like imploded or whatever. There's actually a real security in that I belong to that family and that I'm needed and that there's like a Kezia shaped splodge in there that only I can fill. But I'm going to talk about that more in a minute so I'll not linger on that. The next thing in healthy family is good communication. So this is kind of links in with what I've already said about honor. Um, and when I look again at the Trinity, I don't see any huge communication errors or like clumsy communication or a, a lack of ability to communicate clearly. Not that I know loads, but from what I can tell, there doesn't seem to be like, oops, sorry, I just said this in a really unhelpful way. I think clear communication is actually one of the most underrated um, aspects of a healthy family, but it's often the thing we're often poorest at. I think, in our culture because we don't really often get given tools or we don't often think that it's important. We just assume that people will understand what we said because we used words to say it. you will be like, well, why did we speak the same language and I use words and you use words? Why didn't you understand me? And actually, it's just way more complicated than that. I don't know if anyone's ever had any close relationship of any kind, whether it's friendships or marriage, but you will know. And I mean, me and Jan have had many a time when I've said to Jan, I'm like, Jan, when you said this, I kind of really felt like blah, 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 blah. And then Jan's like, oh, like, (laughs) that's not what I meant at all. And I'm like, oh, right. So we were just, you said these words and I heard this thing. She was saying these words thinking it was going to be like some really, really encouraging, uplifting thing. And then I went away from the conversation like, oh. And we both were speaking English. We were both using words that we understood. But there was, you know, there's been moments where our communication's just gone like, and and then we've just had to sort it out. So I think communication is something, and the thing with communication is that you can grow at it and learn how to do it. So I'd really encourage you, like, when was the last time you learned more or took some time to intentionally work on how you communicate and what I mean is like how do you how good are you at at communicating what you need how good are you at communicating your boundaries and how good are you at communicating how you feel and there's loads of resources out there to help you with that um, and to help you grow in that but I think if you wanna cultivate healthy family, whether it's within your immediate kind of family and friendships or in church family, we need to be really good at communicating because I'll use words and you'll listen to them and potentially hear the complete opposite of what I meant to say and vice versa. I know me and Joe have had many experiences like that in our our marriage and so it's it's really, and it's something we underrate, I think, so good communication, and so i 'd get you to think how is your communication currently? Um, other things are around growth and development. so I think in families you grow and you develop. Um, Adam and Eve grew, they had a role they weren 't just going to like hang around and stay stagnant in the garden. They actually needed to go and be fruitful and multiply and name all the animals and you know they had stuff you know they had to think of these names and think of words, and there was kind of constant growth and development for them the structure and strategy in a healthy families uh, if you've ever tried to pull off an epic family gathering whether it's christmas dinner birthday wedding you will know that there's not nothing will take place if someone doesn't organize something like you're not going to have an awesome family christmas dinner if everyone's just like yeah christmas so excited woo we just we're just, just going to be family together Just doing family. We're all just gonna do family together at Christmas. This is great. Then you all show up on Christmas Day, we're all doing family together. But no one shows up at the right location, everyone shows up at different times. There's no turkey, there's no food, there's no presents, and it's just really stressful and awful. Like, you just wouldn't get that. You wouldn't get a wedding, you wouldn't get a Kaylee, you wouldn't get anything without some sense of structure and some strategy involved. And I think people can often look at church family and be like, oh, I don't like all this like core belief values, structure, strategy. It's just so not like family. And I'm like, "Well, how does your family function? Like you just have, you just have, like, I get that we don't want to be like crazy organizations with like agendas for Sunday mornings. and But I mean, I don't know a family that doesn't structure, it doesn't have some sort of structure or strategy to it. And the next thing is that people feel seen and known. And so that there's a level of vulnerability and there's a sense of no shame and, and nothing being hidden. And that's why I, um, I love things like tools, like the Love After Marriage course or the... What's the other one? Single... Is it Single Life Workshop? Yes. And that ministries is all called Nothing Hidden. And I love that approach in that in healthy families there there isn't like this constant shame of if they only knew this about you then they wouldn't love you there really needs to be a not everyone but i really i'm really convinced that in our lives there needs to be a small handful of people that literally know our deepest and darkest secrets and love us anyway otherwise you just walk around with this like shame umbrella all the time of like if they knew you'd done this and then and that's just crippling and in families in healthy families there should be Um, this element of, there should be no shame, actually. There's just, shame is rubbish. Um, But that requires vulnerability, and I think vulnerability is something you choose, and it's something you learn. I don't think it's like, oh, Kezia, like is just a very vulnerable person. Maybe, but I actually choose it, and I've learned how to do it. Um, Sometimes I'm overly vulnerable. (laughs) Maybe go on the overshare end, (laughs) but I don't mind. Um, So, and again, that's something, you don't just get hit over the head with it, you actually have to choose to be intentional around it. So that's a quick and by no means conclusive list of what healthy family is. I'm sure you all have other aspects and values of that. Um, And I just wanted to end with a couple of things that I felt God highlight that isn't all that healthy. And I've definitely experienced, and I feel like God just wants to kind of sort of shift shift us along from these things. Um, so one of the first things I was thinking about is when, when we look at what can really hinder a healthy family flourishing is that if there's a sense of unbelonging, um, so like I don't belong here, I don't belong anywhere. Um, I don't feel very understood or I maybe feel really misunderstood. That those kinds of feelings. Um, and I, I really understand that there's certain structural and communication elements that we can do in family life, whether it be biological or church family life, that, make, that help to ensure more people feel like they belong, if that makes sense. You know, you can have welcome and you can have good communication and there's lots of structural things that can really help people to feel like they belong. So I'm not negating that. But ultimately, I think choosing that you don't belong and choosing that you misunderstood is a belief that we cultivate. Um, and we all, I think, get invited to cultivate that belief at different times in our life, some of us more than others. Um, so cause it's really easy in my biological, I, I mean, I feel like I, I've had ample opportunity in my life to feel like I don't belong like there's so many awesome and weird things about me like I'm very prophetic and so I've been in church places where people are just like huh like we just, we just don't know what to do with you you're a bit weak like yeah, you get that look and then I'm like really artistic and then I'm also like a nutritionist so I chat to people about poo all the time and there's certain things about like my, my life that just don't like just don't always seem to make sense to other people but they make perfect sense to me and I've had constant um, opportunities to think you just are misunderstood you don't really fit in and you don't really belong and I actually God really spoke to me and this was this was most acute when we moved here and I started a new school so I started high school at age 14 and so I then had to make like all new friends again and I've Um, historically been incredibly anxious as a child and as um, growing up so (laughs) the idea of starting a new school was just terrible (laughs) but I remember constantly going to school with the assumption that I didn't belong and that people didn't want to be my friends. so then that would make me more anxious, because I was choosing to believe I didn't belong here, choosing to that like, I would be misunderstood, that people didn't really get me, because I was this like weird English girl in this like Scottish school, and I didn't understand what the word like jobby meant, and all of this sort of stuff, and I was like, oh, this is so awkward, and you're a teenager, and it's just awkward anyway, oh, oh so glad I'm not having to live those times again. And I remember, so years went on, and I just got more and more anxious, so this led to a lot of anxiety, so I wouldn't be sleeping very well, and I wasn't eating it made my eating weird because she was just, just like too anxious to eat before going to school, and I wouldn't want to eat in front of people at school, and blah blah blah. And then I remember just one day, I can't remember if it was the Holy Spirit or my mum, one of the two. Sometimes they blend into each other. Um, when and I was, I think, like a group of, I had made friends, I did have friends, and they invited me to the cinema. You know, nice thing to do. And I remember being so anxious about going to meet them and just go to the cinema. It's not a, you know, not a t- too scary activity. And then just realizing, like, it was either Mum or the Holy Spirit, one of the two, was like, why don't you just assume that they want you there? Because you're great. And I was like, well, it's a, a revolutionary idea. And then, and that from that point on, I started. I think it was. And then from that point on, something just shifted in me. When from that point on, when I went to uni, and over the years, I just changed my belief that of course people want me there. Of course I belong. So I would then invite myself to the cinema. If I heard wind at uni or at school, like oh we'll go into so and so's house or so and so's having a party, and I'll do this the, now. Like I'll just assume I'm invited, because why would I not be? Like, I do put a, a dose of sensitivity into that. It's not like, you yeah, know, we're going on our honeymoon. I'm coming. <laughs> I mean, I probably would if I was invited. But, you know, you've got to use a bit of sensitivity into that. Oh, we're going on a romantic date night. Great, I'll see you there. Um, but I, and from that point on, and, and I think there's a real choice that we can cultivate. And I think it's a real lie from the enemy that A, we're misunderstood, that no one gets us. That we're so different, that and we are all different, but actually we have we have a choice of whether we want to cultivate that. Like in my family, I could decide to believe that I'm like the black sheep of the family if I wanted to, because you know every family has a black sheep, the person that doesn't fit in, or blah 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 blah. blah. But like I, I could invest a lot of my time and energy into creating that thought and creating that mindset and looking for all the evidence. And if we can do that in church, of like, I don't really belong in this church. And then as soon as we start to invest in that and believe in that lie, then we then look for all the evidence to back it up. Like, no one said hello to me today, or I didn't get the small group email, or like this happened, or that. Like, we then start collecting bits of evidence to reinforce this belief that we're choosing to believe that is totally contradictory to everything that the Bible says and everything that God says about us and everything that we know our family. So I think it's really, really important um, that we, yep, we can do things structurally as a family to help cultivate belonging because it's a really important feeling. But I think ultimately it starts with what you're choosing to believe and how you choose to invest your thoughts. And I think it's generally a great assumption to just think that everyone wants to hang out with you and you belong everywhere. Why not? And then you can, and then if you go with that approach, then you can slowly be like, well, maybe I don't actually want to go there. (laughs) So like, I don't, you know, I, maybe I could belong there, but I'm just choosing not to. And with church family, we do all belong. As soon as you've been like bought by the blood of Jesus, we are under one head, one father in full union. You know, we've been crucified with Christ. We're brothers and sisters, sons and daughters, fathers and mothers. Like that is the truth. That's not subjective to how you feel or how you feel people respond to you. That is true. That is what God's family is. And so it's, you have a choice then of whether you're going to align your thoughts with that or whether you're going to have a one-person pity party. Which, I mean, I've had so many of in my life that are actually really underrated. They're just not that fun. They can feel great for like a few days. And you're like, yeah, this is so misunderstood, and it can help you make like artwork. Or oh, that's what I thought at the time when I was at art school. You're like, I'll just make some art because I'm so misunderstood. But you don't actually need that. <laughs> you can be highly productive and creative, and feel and choose to believe that you belong. I still have days where I feel like I'm totally misunderstood and no one gets me. And blah 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 blah. blah, blah. You know, I can go on my nice little whatever, sorry old train. But it doesn't mean it's true. That's not actually true. Um, And so I choose not to spend time investing in that. Um, And another thing that I see in unhealthy families is um, choosing, and I've already kind of spoken about this, but it's just to reiterate that it's really easy for us to choose offense, to be offended by someone first instead of choosing courage and communication. And. It can, you can see it all the time happening where all of a sudden, I've seen it in my own life when all of a sudden like I feel like I've almost exploded or wanted to explode at someone because I'm so hurt or annoyed or whatever at them. And actually, if I work it back, like work back why, it all started with this like tiny thing a while ago where they said something and it made me feel like this. And then since then, I didn't do anything about it. I decided not to be courageous. I decided not to communicate. And then I have just built a case against the person or the organization or the church or the church leaders or my brothers and sisters or, and then slowly over time. And so I think it's really important that we, and again, it's something we have a choice around. You can choose to be offended at your family in whatever context that it is or your leaders, or you can choose to communicate. And you won't communicate perfectly, and that's okay. But I think that makes a really... And I think in my immediate biological family, that's really been a journey we've been on as we are now an adult family, if that makes sense. Um, And I think it's a journey we're on as a church as well, as actually we have a choice over how, how... kind of how we feel in a way. Not always... You know, it's not that feelings are bad or that we need to squash feelings down. I think it's really important that you feel the way you feel and you express your emotions. But in terms of long-term, actually, it's so much better just to communicate things messily and imperfectly. Like, I remember having... (laughs) I've, I remember there was something dad did in a, a meeting once that I was really hurt with and um, was all like having a pity party around and I thought oh I should probably talk to him about it so I went and plucked up my courage and then talked to him about it and then I don't think he apologized and he kind of just dismissed what I said and so and then I went away again even more offended because I was like oh I've just like worked up all this courage and then he's and then so then I had to go again and be like you know that last conversation we had about that thing that th- and then I actually, that made me feel this, and then, and then we totally sorted it out, if, if that makes sense. Um, because it's a choice to communicate, and the choice to communicate is really driven by the belief that you are loved, actually. so And that's something you, a bit like what we've just talked about, is something you get to choose. And if you're really, con- like I'm really convinced that Dad loves me like really convinced, like there's no doubt in my mind. So therefore, those scary conversations are slightly less scary, still a little bit scary, but slightly less scary. It's the same with Joe, or like with Jan. It's because I know they love me, so I'll communicate with them. And so, there's lots more I could say, but I think those two things are really important. So what I would love us to do, as we have come to an end, is I would just love us to, if you can and are able slash want to, um, stand. And I'm just going to pray for us. And I'm going to um, just walk us through a prayer about just breaking agreement with the lie that we don't belong. Um, so if you all um, want to say it and then... It doesn't make anyone feel awkward, if that makes sense. Whether whether you feel like it's for you or not, if we all just say it nice, loud, and proud. Then, for anyone it is for, then they're not all in like quiet whispering. Um. So, yeah. Thank you, Father. Thank you that you're good. Yeah, Lord Jesus, we do. I do just speak a lightness and a freedom, Father. I speak to any heaviness that would be in this place from. From experiences of church family, of family family that would weigh us down, Father. And be heavy on our hearts or heavy on our minds. And we just see you and we tell you just to be shifted and blown away, Father. And Lord, together we just choose to believe you. So if you um, just repeat after me, um, Father God... I break agreement with the lie that I don't belong, that I'm misunderstood, or that I'm unloved. And in Jesus' name, I choose to believe that I'm a son or a daughter of the Lord Most High, and I belong in every environment, and I'm fully loved. Amen.